He a boss, just like Nino. I need me a Al Pacino. G5, be live. We live, that makes you money. Cheer me up, babe. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Huh? Zappuccino, Zappuccino. Recording is happening. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Hello. We should be like, we should do Cockney introductions. <laughs> I thought about it. I thought about it, but uh, uh, no. Yeah, I know. No. I was like, oh, maybe I can try. But I'm like, no, I don't think this is this is good. Like, as somebody who grew up literally where a bulk of this movie is set, which is crazy, I, even, even that doesn't make me feel qualified to, like, do a proper Cockney London accent. I'm like, nope, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to work for, for either of them. Yeah, I think, I think it would be, like, really offensive somehow <laughs> if I tried to do it. Like, something horrible would happen. Yeah. Like, Yeah, I think... I just, I can't do accents at all, so, like, yeah. that would be... Yeah, me neither. Stuff, me but, neither. Yeah. Terrible at accents. I'd be terrible at this, yeah. uh, this or any accent. But, hey, we're not alone. We're in great company. <laughs> exactly. we, we know somebody else who's very bad at accents and his name is Al Pacino he is the namesake mm-hmm. of this podcast hello welcome to Al Pacino this is as we mentioned a podcast about Al Pacino we are going through his filmography every everything every film <laughs> in his filmography and this is really this really needs to be emphasized this week to just you know to learn a little about a little about the guy himself about movie stars about why we love him about why you know People set up weird, like, Angel Fire fan sites about them in 2005, <laughs> you know, that, uh, you know, we have to, we now get to, like, delve into, which is great. Yeah, that's that's the most important part of this episode, I think. It really is. Like, We've uncovered such, really a, the key. such a treasure trove has been uncovered, you guys. <laughs> like, you would not believe it. <laughs> it's, it's so great. But, yeah, this week we are talking about The Local Stigmatic, which is a... Its official release is considered 1990, but it seems like yeah. there was kind of a lot of, like, messing around. I know there's a couple of cuts of this movie. I don't know which cut we watched, but I know no there's idea. several. <laughs> Truly no idea. <laughs> but it's, yeah. Tell us. Tell us about the local stigmatic, Maddie. I feel like you understood it better than I did, <laughs> but... Um... But yeah, no, he, so they shot it in 85 and it's based on a play by Heathcote Williams, um, who is a English playwright and poet and magician um, <laughs> and many other things. Yeah. Um, and Al was in it first in 1969 and then again in the mid uh, 70s and then they decided to shoot it in 85 mm-hmm. and he like financed the movie it was kind of his idea to shoot it. He has a director credit, but he's also talked about how he didn't really direct it. Yeah. Like, he was in the editing bay afterwards, but he wasn't directing it like at the time. Oh, okay, sure. I, yeah, because I was going to say, with the the stuff I read from David Wheeler, who was the other director, who like basically seems to kind of take full credit for the movie and the stuff mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I've read speaking to him, like obviously he you know talks about Al like, having a really big role in the creation of the movie but he's like yeah i think i i think he's like he's like yeah i i am the director of this project i'm not yeah, like exactly. you know i'm not the kind of like it seems more like al kind of took on a pro- he's taking on like a producer role more than anything yeah right like he's yeah, and know, kind of like more hands-on afters but i think like it seems from what they were talking like reading stuff that al said that all the actors kind of also messed with the movie mm. and like he would send them off to make a cut and then they would be like oh i don't know about this and <laughs> But he kind of retained like 
control over it. Like he was the one who decided to put it out, mm. um, and he kept was the one who kept kind of messing with it over the years. Yeah, but yeah, it wasn't directed by him. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, at the time. It's really fascinating. This is like one of the sort <laughs> of. I really didn't know what to expect with this because I was kind of like, I think, to be honest, I was kind of brushing it off as a vanity project and I was like, this seems like something that I'm Mm -hmm. not going to find anything interesting in at all because it's just like him being like, oh, I'm going to fuck around and like shoot a play, which is basically what this is. Like, it's just, it's basically like shot for shot, an adaptation of this play. And it actually, I found a lot to kind of... Uh, not like I guess I guess like would be kind of too flat of a word but I found a lot to dig into watching this and like reading about it and reading about Williams and like about the process of like like Al's sort of process of getting this thing together and like trying to work out how to sort of bring it to the screen and like the process of kind of adapting something like this for the screen which it seems like he kind of like based on what i've read it seems like he kind of took the wrong approach or at least what i think is the wrong approach to adapting something for the screen (laughs) he's like yeah we basically shot it exactly like a play we took out things that made it look like it wasn't a play we wanted to really hammer home that this thing is a play and i'm like then why film it Al like what's the point why go to like locations and film it like why not if you want to film a play film a play like put a camera on a stage and like film you doing it in a in a play setting don't you know don't make everybody come to London and like shoot it there (laughs) like come on just just... in the middle of the night yeah (sighs) yeah it's yeah it's a very but it seems like this was a very this is like a really a genuinely kind of interesting little like blip in his filmography and I was yeah worried that we weren't gonna have anything to talk about and it seems like <laughs> we've actually got plenty to talk about which is it's really nice yeah. given that it's like a 50 minute movie quote yeah unquote movie I think there's there's stuff here definitely. yeah for sure this like you I think we kind of covered a lot of this stuff last week but like this was sort of his like great in between period right mm-hmm. this is the... yeah exactly and this was this was he just went off to do this straight after revolutions i think he was doing american buffalo in london and kind of got the idea to film this play mm-hmm. and yeah kind of like wanted to do something that was not <laughs> a big budget hollywood movie that had the potential to like ruin his career but like just something that he liked and kind of enjoyed doing sure um, Sure. And yeah, and then just messed with it for years and years. But this was like, yeah, this was the period where he was just doing theatre and like really tiny stuff and didn't want anyone to see what he was doing. It was just like hiding, hiding out in his like, yeah, hiding out in theatres. That's funny. Exactly. But I'm very interested in how he like came across this play in this playwright because I had never heard of Heathcote Williams prior to looking this up and he seems like a fascinating guy like there is so much to glean from everything that i've learned about him over the last like day really just i feel like i had heard of him but i don't know if i'm just like like i don't know why i would have heard this guy right, like sure. all i could think of is like the kind of squatting bits of his life like that oh, kind okay. of thing i might have heard about but then i'm like why would i have heard about that <laughs> So I don't know. I, don't I did know. have a teacher who squatted in London around this time. I think yeah. maybe a bit, maybe a bit later. Mm-hmm. He was an accountant at the time, and he wasn't paying any rent, <laughs> so he was just making obscene amounts of money, like not paying for anything and like squatting in this. Place. I feel like being a squatter uh, anyway. and an accountant is kind of antithetical, I know. right? Like... I know. 
It's funny. But yeah, he was a great teacher, my general studies teacher. Shout out Mr. Christie. He's also a novelist. Anyway. Um, <laughs> come on the pod, Mr. Christie. <laughs> yeah, truly, come on the pod. I first have his email address. Like, I like, Send him an email. Yeah, anyway. do it. Yeah, no, I don't know. I just feel like I've heard the name, but I don't know yeah. why. Like, what... I mean, I pr- I guess I could have asked my mum and been like, "Do you know who this guy is?" Because that's the only place I can think of that I would have heard about sure. him. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was. He does seem like a fascinating. He guy, really does. I was kind of trying to like, I was going through his bibliography and like he's he does kind of seem like a genuine multi hyphenate. Like it seems like he's done mm. so much stuff. He's written plays. He's written movies. He's like acted. He's just like everything. He's written songs. He's like he's done so much stuff. Oh yeah, he wrote a Marianne Faithful song. Yeah, right? yeah, a bunch that, of yeah. Marianne Faithful songs, I think, which is That's great. Crazy. Uh he was, you know, <laughs> yeah, he was like on Friends. He was on the season 4 finale of Friends. <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. Of course he was. The one where the well, one where, where Ross gets married because he, be? he gets married in oh, he gets married sure. in London, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. like he's just there <laughs> like watching <laughs> Ross get <laughs> Watching Ross get married, which is so funny. Great. Great. Love that. I love that. And it's so funny because, like, have you seen those episodes of Friends? Yeah, I have. Like, they have Sarah Ferguson in one of them, and, like... Because it's when they were, like, so big yeah. that they could just kind of like, call people up and they'd be like, yeah, great, I'll come on. Yeah, I'll come on Friends, yeah. I mean, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt was on Friends. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know why the Friends team were, like, ringing up this very niche English playwright to be like, no, you want to come and be in Ross's wedding like, party? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Friends, the Friends writers saw the local stigmatic and were like, this guy's got some <laughs> ideas. Exactly, but yeah, he was on the season four finale of Friends. He, uh, he's been, he's like a he has a Muppets Wikipedia page because he was in a couple of like Henson Creature Shop um, TV great. movies, which is great. So he like played a guy in prosthetics, which is fun. <laughs> like his most notable IMDb credit is that he was in Basic Instinct two, which I guess kind of like mm, ties him wow. to ties him to Sea of Love, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Who, who does he play in Sea of Love in Basic Instinct? Too. I actually don't know who he plays in Basic Instinct two. I'm going to look it up, but like, Sorry. this is what I mean by like the sheer amount of kind of weird, diverse stuff that he's been involved with. Yeah, genuinely fascinating. I like scanned through a documentary about him that I was also in. And mm-hmm. I can't. I don't know who. The, I feel like the presenter is someone of note, but I didn't recognize him. But anyway, okay. And he was talking about how Williams just has like a little cottage in Cornwall, and oh. in order to stop people coming to visit him, he says that he only has one mug. <laughs> if anyone's trying to come over for tea, he's like, no, sorry, you can't. I have I like, one mug. I like love him. He sounds so yeah. great. Like such a great guy. <laughs> such a delight like all his late period stuff is just him being like trump sucks boris sucks brexit sucks (laughs) and i'm like yeah true but like you know he seems like a genuinely radical like interesting uh writer and presence and i'm very interested in how al like came to this play because it seems like i mean from what i've read it seems like it was like floating around in brooklyn theater because harold pinter like that seems to be the um the like yeah. the mesh like the bridge that brings these two things together is that Al was like fucking about doing pinter plays and like this is how it came his way. <laughs> and and so yeah, it's fascinating. It's really interesting. And like it seems like something that came up a lot when I was reading about this was that Al keeps kind of mentioning this quote 
about fame from him. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like that that really, like, that really spoke to him. And the only scene mm-hmm. that is added to the movie is the scene where he, like, basically says that. Like, that's... Oh, the uh, nice. The scene where they're at, like, the newsstand, like, they're buying newspapers, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the only yeah, scene yeah. that, like, doesn't appear in the actual play. Like, that's kind of mm-hmm. added. It just, it's, like, really... It's that's really... Yeah. It is interesting, and it seems like it's a... It's a weird scene. It's only, like, a couple of minutes long, but, like, they kind of end up arguing with the... They're, like, reading through Grazia and stuff. Like, they're flipping through kind of, like, magazines, which is really funny, and, like, talking about celebrities, and the newsstand guy gets angry at them. And Hal says, he says, fame is the first disgrace. (laughs) Because (laughs) God knows who you are. And it's like, I don't really know what that means, man. I don't know what that means either. (laughs) Does it mean that, like, God already knows who you are? Yeah, it's so there's I no mean, need to be famous, or does it mean that like if you're famous, then God suddenly? But God's person, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I'm not I don't a, really know I'm what not it a means. Catholic. I don't really know what it means. <laughs> I it kind of, I guess it's like like if God knows who you are, you shouldn't need other people to know who you are. Yeah, like, that's what I thought it meant. I guess, but, but even so, but, like I have this quote. I have a bunch of quotes actually, which I'm sure will come up across the course of the episode from an interview Al did with Bette Gordon the filmmaker um she directed mm-hmm. Variety I don't know if you know that movie but um oh sure yeah it's a great interview actually it's really extensive and she talks a little, they talk a lot about like the process of like making the film and they talk about like you know kind of like how this comp- how making the film kind of compares to like his experience working in film and stuff it's a it's a really great interview um and he says mm-hmm. that like he quotes Heathcote directly and is like Fame is the perversion of the human instinct for validation and attention. Without attention, our feedback system breaks down because we don't know who we are. And I kind of, I feel like it's like, wow, yeah, he heard, he, Al heard that and was like really taken aback by that, I think. Like, it Mm -hmm. feels like that dictates so much of his like, kind of like his struggle in this period, right? Is that he's just like, Mm. he's become too famous and now he like doesn't know who he is or like how to respond to anything. Because he's just like yeah. become this huge big guy, and like he can't get it back. Every time we talk about this, I I resist the urge to bring up Bob Dylan, but I think I have to, unfortunately. <laughs> but like, um, that's okay. You can you have permission. Uh, so in '67, Dylan had a uh, motorbike crash, a really bad motorbike crash, and after that, he kind of disappeared for like quite a few years and didn't tour for quite a long time after that like he put out albums still but didn't tour and there were kind of all these rumors that he'd like really injured himself or like something really bad happened in this motorbike accident but like he was basically fine he just kind of used it as an excuse to like step back a bit having been touring since he was like 20 Mm -hmm. and i do think it's like a thing like like if you get suddenly astronomically famous and you like then at some point find an excuse to then stop being famous for a little while it seems like you know you grab onto that like it seems like you know revolution was a good excuse like a bad enough response to that movie that al had an excuse to be like all right i'll just step back like that's fine like i don't need the limelight that badly like i'd quite like to just sit for a bit and like relax Um, hang out yeah Totally. Yeah. So I do think that that's yeah, an understandable. Yeah. Unfortunately, to take us back to this, I have to read you aloud the cast list of Basic Instinct Two because it is <laughs> insane. All right, we have Sharon Stone, Please. obviously, mm-hmm. David Morrissey, Charlotte Rampling, David Thewlis, <gasps> Thewlis, and 
That's the some... best Instagram follow, by the way. Everyone should follow David Thewis on Instagram. He always likes reductress posts, and it's my favourite thing in the world. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, a couple of people I don't recognise. Heathcote Williams and Hugh Dancy. Oh, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, <laughs> Hugh Dancy. But isn't that great? Isn't that just a collection of like some That's of our great. finest English talent? Like, isn't that wonderful? That's so good, good for Why them. Because it's set. Movie? It's like set in London. I have no idea, oh, okay. like what the. <laughs> okay, apparently the premise of Basic Instinct Two is that she's like. Catherine is like in London she's in trouble with the authorities again and she's like appointed by a psychiatrist to evaluate her and you know like he becomes you know the Michael Douglas essentially so Mm -hmm. so David Morrissey is the Michael Douglas that's so funny oh my god yeah David (laughs) Morrissey is the Michael Douglas of English (laughs) sure he's like a chill guy (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. Anyway, yeah. I don't want to watch that movie. Basic now. Instinct 2 tangent over. That's all I have to say <laughs> about that. Great. <laughs> I mean, what do you think of this movie? Because yeah. you seem a bit like perplexed oh, by it. <laughs> I just don't understand. I, I, I like. I don't know. I feel like I was missing stuff. Like, and and I didn't really understand what was going on or like what it was about mm-hmm. until like. They started talking to, uh, is it David? The guy yeah, they yeah, the guy in the pub, yeah. yeah, David. That's when I was kind of like, oh, now I kind of get it. But everything before that, I was like, I don't know what's happening. Why are they talking about dog racing? Like, I don't know yeah, what it's, that's about. I mean, um, it's basically, yeah. the whole movie is basically like three scenes, right? Like, it's not, mm. there's really not any kind of, there's no real momentum to the thing. It's kind of like, mm. it feels so much like a play. Like, there is really no kind of cinematic intervention in this movie at all like it is literally like you have a scene and then you have another scene and then you have another scene and that's basically the whole movie yeah i wonder if like my problem my problems like my struggle with it is that i'm not a theater person like i just never go like not even that i particularly don't like it but i just never go yeah so i don't have the kind or read it or read plays so i don't have the kind of I don't know, like, understanding of how the structure usually is or, like, I don't know what the rhythms are sure. in the way that I do with, like, a movie. Sure. I've obviously seen, like, plays made into movies before, mm-hmm. but that's, they're usually a little bit more cinematic. Yeah. And I struggle with stuff like, like, Ma Rainey last year I really struggled with because it was so much a play mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it had that real vibe and I was just like, sure. <laughs> these people are talking too much and I don't know what's going on. Like, sure. It's too much word, too many words, not enough, like, you know, visual kind of indication yeah. of what's happening. See, I kind of, I kind of love, like, I'm more of a fan of movies that sort of operate in the way that plays do. Like, I love a kind of single location, lots of talking. Mm. Like, I think that when utilised correctly, that can be a really engaging thing to like I think you can make that kind of thing engaging like um mm. have you seen Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf no I haven't an amazing movie which is very mm. much like a play like obviously it's very much like a play it is a play but it's very <laughs> much like a play in how it plays out in that it's like mm. scene characters come in characters leave like it's all very like it's structured like a play it feels like a play mm. but it is I think the reason it is cinematic is largely because of the performance and I don't think mm-hmm. that comes across here like i think if if maybe the two leads had kind of been given it a bit more juice then mm, maybe yeah, it, I did feel that maybe it could yeah. have like maybe it would have crossed over a little more for you but like yeah. it's oh my god i mean i like <laughs> i don't think 
Uh, hot take. I don't think he's bad in this movie, but that accent is no, so unforgivable yeah. that it just becomes like, you know, you can't get past I that. I know, it's, it's just like... <laughs> It starts and you're like, no, surely, surely, <laughs> surely not. not. Like, surely he's doing a bit or something. And then it's like 20 minutes in and he says like dog again. And you're like, I'm going to die. Like, this is it for me. Like <laughs> so bad. It is like unfathomably bad how mm-hmm. like, I don't understand. And he's played this character like multiple times, which makes me. I, I really feel that he's at the point where no one's just being like, hey, Al, are you accent coach? Maybe just like slide one under the door. Like, have you heard of this guy? Like, might help you out a it bit. It makes me like, feel insane that he's done this role for like as long as he has and nobody has ever yeah. been like, I don't know, man, this Cockney accent's a little bit wobbly. Should you maybe reconsider I if, this? Yeah, I wonder if they did it just like, because you. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have to be British. Like this. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like, yeah. That's what I was. Apart from the yeah. Winston Churchill thing, but like, you could, whatever. <laughs> like, you that, know. Yeah. yeah, I, I think you could easily do this, like, on the streets of New York. Which I wonder if, like, yeah. that's what Al is interested in with this movie. Like the fact that he, for many years, was essentially homeless in New York, mm-hmm. like, and has been down and out in the way that these guys are, and maybe has felt like this kind of resentment and then has ended up in the famous person's position hmm. obviously he hasn't been beaten up by anyone but you know what I mean like, <laughs> I don't know maybe he like, has <laughs> yeah I mean maybe I hope not um, <laughs> yeah, I hope not too but yeah but yeah like world. that kind of like those two roles are both things that he understands mm. but like why is it in London <laughs> like why why are you like this is the hill I'm gonna die on like it can't be yeah. a New York guy which would work just as well like it has to be like and he could do his accent yeah. like it would be fun he has the right accent like uh, <laughs> it's so yeah, bad he does, yeah. but I wonder yeah I yeah. wonder if the plays when he's yeah. on stage they just did it New York which would make sense I mean it's yeah it's interesting I think I do also think that when I was watching I was like this probably could just be set in New York it wouldn't be a problem like, mm-hmm. I think you could transpose the class dynamics equally as well like I don't think that you could like dog racing I I guess the dog racing like what would yeah what would the American equivalent would it be like be like sports betting yeah it'd be like baseball or something yeah exactly like uncut gems a bit less like scuzzy but (laughs) like yeah exactly like uncut gems Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's you don't. I don't see why he kind of didn't make the connection, but I guess that's such an actorly thing to do, isn't it? To be like, oh, well, I want to push myself. I want to like, you know, embody mm-hmm. like a British Cockney guy. Like, you know, that's what I I want to like, you know, <laughs> authentically portray this role. And by doing so, I must like mm-hmm. do truly just. It's so bad. Like it's unfathomable. <laughs> like, I just I'm like I don't understand how he how he let this fly like who why did nobody stop <laughs> and how he like watched it over and over again for like five <laughs> years afterwards and didn't think so for long like, maybe this was not good and like <laughs> you know maybe this yeah, is the worst yeah. accent anyone has ever done <laughs> but he's like not very musical either i wonder if he just can't really tell just can't it's, tell like yeah really bad yeah. like i wonder if his ear just isn't like sure. attuned to it but he's been yeah. to London before, like you know, like it's really obviously. <laughs> yeah, isn't horrible. he like, like doing plays in London at the time? Right, like he's on stage in London. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, exactly. The time they made. This. Yeah, he's, he's interacting he with London, British people. Like, he's, like, said <laughs> he loves London. He's never been to Cat. I'm sure he loves London. He's definitely never been to Catford. Like I know that much is true. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not a chance. Is the is the movie shot like are those like outside bits shot in cat? I don't like. I didn't recognize any of the exteriors, but like the dog track. Yeah. I have no idea if that was the actual cat for dog track because I've never been there. But like as soon as he mm. said like cat for dog track, I was like, oh my god, oh yeah, totally. Because like it was like I'm pretty sure it was shut down by the time I was kind of old enough to like. Mm. be aware of what it was but I used to like there's a park that kind of goes round it and I like spent a lot of time in that park growing up so like I immediately kind of recognized or like understood the geography yeah. of where they were I guess or like yeah the kind yeah. of areas that they're sort of meant to be in like I don't I don't think you really know like there's no like more reference to the location outside of that I think no, at one yeah. point like well, I mean <laughs> they talk about Selston which is also South London and Wandsworth, so like, there's a couple of like, there's a couple of refs for the South London lot mm. in there, but like, I don't <laughs> think it's you know. And I mean, um, Will- Williams is from like, he's not from London, like he's not a London. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that. that was I was under the impression that he was he must have been from London, but he's not. He's from like yeah. Cheshire or something. <laughs> he's like from Cheshire, Oxford educated, and then like I assume moved to London at some point. Which, as you know, yeah. as all great, he like, went to Eton as well. He got kicked out. Of oh anyway, fuck. So. Okay, right. Cool. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's London. They were, they were- yeah, the documentary I was watching was like, yeah, he got kicked out of Eton, and then he spent some time in a Franciscan monastery, oh, and like, great. and then ended up at Oxford, and I'm like, wow, back in the day when you could you just could just end, end up, up at Oxford, Oxford. <laughs> like, just crazy. That's madness, madness. Yeah, I I think it the vibe feels kind of then like I really like one of the things I liked about the movie even though I don't think it was like a very cinematic piece is that it felt like very kind of authentically like grungy 90s London you know like sort mm-hmm. of of the like the way that like London is depicted in kind of 90s Brit cinema like I thought a lot yeah. about like train spotting I thought a lot about like yeah. with nail and I like that kind of like yeah, palette I was say, you know yeah yeah with nail and I is 100% what I was yeah. thinking about like- <laughs> Yeah, that movie is so much better than this one. But like, especially like with the kind of like posh actor like figure, where I was like, "Is this gonna be gay? Like, is there something gonna happen with it?" And like the entire time, I'm like, "Seems a little gay, yeah, guys." I, um, yeah, it's really funny. And it never turns out. <laughs> Another quote from director David Wheeler is that he said that apparently said that Al wanted people to understand that this wasn't a movie movie about homosexual. They play all kinds of games. Wheeler said it explores male relationships and behavior having to do with who's head of the pack <laughs> which is really funny it's like it's not gay but like, and again like in that interview with al he's like she, um gordon asks him like whether he thinks it's gay <laughs> he says oh i read this i just realized i read the same piece anyway carry he on. Says, they play perverse sexual games they play at everything heterosexuality homosexuality machismo femininity it's all about ambiguity identity recognized and noticed sexual ambivalence and i'm like that sounds pretty gay to me it's <laughs> like, like oh no it's not gay it's like it's like in the gray area and i'm like mm-hmm. it's sexually ambivalent like come on <laughs> Oh, it's really uh, gay. It's really gay. It's really. It's it's like definitely gay. Like it's explicitly gay in some instances, and then it's like mm-hmm. subtly gay in others. Like it's yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. They they can't sell me much as they would like to. I'm sorry, they can't sell me on this being a completely heterosexual work of fiction. <laughs> like no, 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 no. This is about like any any. Yeah. I was just kind of always gay by accident. <laughs> like I feel like this happened. 
<laughs> like I don't, know, I don't, and I don't think it's just us being the kinds of people who always read that into things. Yeah. Like I think genuinely, like it just is the case. <laughs> I mean, that like ties into what I was gonna say, which is like ultimately, if you're making a movie about masculinity and you have the added lens of film, like if you're shooting something mm. from a male perspective about men, about the relationships between men, you're gonna mm. like without even kind of consciously doing it you're going to lean into archetypes of homosexuality mm-hmm. like that's just it's mm-hmm. such a given i think for yeah. you know unless yeah. you're like it's like um something like top gun like is a movie that i rewatched mm-hmm. fairly recently and like that is i mean i think it's a great movie you think it's a great movie <laughs> it's objectively ridiculous but it's like oh, perfect cheesy yeah. 80s nonsense but that's a perfect yeah, yeah. example of a movie that's about like heterosexual guys being heterosexual guys and like Mm -hmm. being like full of like uh, testosterone and like anger and like resentment for each other and like (laughs) fucking pretty ladies and like but it's it's so gay like it's the gayest (laughs) thing in the world to like have these guys who are like i hate you so much man and it's like oh they want to kiss so bad (laughs) like Anything where, like, the most important relationship is with another man, I'm like, I mean... Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Like, and, you know, this movie has no women in it, the movie. This movie and this play have no women in it. They have no... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what the other quote that I really enjoyed was. (laughs) Yeah, it's from uh, from Paul, I think I want want to say Guilfoyle. I'm not sure if that's right. Yeah. Who plays the other half of the kind of double act at the centre of this movie. (laughs) He says, Mm -hmm. everyone in the film is male, even the dogs at the racetrack, which is very funny. (laughs) (laughs) So true. And like, true. You know, it is like such a male movie and it is so much about like male behaviour. And it, it kind of feels like, just like ridiculously naive to not map like a queer reading onto it, you know, especially because yeah. of like how much stuff that they kind of talk. Like it's such a the dialogue and the things that they speak about and the comfort and the ease with which they speak to each other yeah. suggests an intimacy that is not like strictly platonic. I think. Yeah, you know? they're like always together. Yeah, like the whole always. Movie, yeah, together. like they live together. They're like go and do everything, and I think maybe that's why I'm like struggling to a little bit to understand it because like I feel like movies where the they're like 100% masculine like usually I'm fine but because this is like not they're not talking about like anything that I have any concept of like the the kind of like masculine I don't know the masculine hobbies or whatever they're talking about in this movie like are just so completely foreign to me whereas like something like with Mel and I they're talking about like Shakespeare and I at least can like (laughs) process that whereas like talking about dog racing I'm like I literally don't know what they're talking about like I have no idea how this works well that's not a problem with the movie that's just like a textual problem for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean i think you have to kind of like yeah i agree like half of the and i like a lot of the kind of quotes from al that i've read and stuff have been like this dialogue is like really impenetrable if you don't have context for it like a lot of it mm. is really dense and like it's a lot of talking about like it's like work chat basically like the first kind of mm. chunk of the movie is so, like essentially yeah. this long 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 anecdote about like <laughs> what's the dog called a Mosa of Salston <laughs> which is a See, I didn't even get that like I didn't even know that that was a dog <laughs> like I was dog. just completely that's the dog a Mosa of Salston is the dog um and like they talk right. you know this is yeah he gives this lengthy 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 they have this lengthy discussion about dog racing and it's like not you know it's not easy to like wrap your head around like it's not 
easy to kind of understand yeah. dialogue. It rem- it made me think about I remember I've seen like a good couple of um uh, discussions in like just on like film Twitter and like places where people talk about movies about like needing subtitles to watch movies set in like England that aren't like mm-hmm. just people with like received pronunciation accents like yeah. needing to watch like needing subtitles to watch movies set in Scotland or set in Ireland or like yeah. set in like any kind of regional part of the UK essentially like yeah. you know it's like okay I mean okay like I don't think I've ever watched a movie where people have like southern US accents and been like oh this is like impenetrable like I need I need like yeah. subtitles unless it's like Jeff Bridges like completely not <laughs> yeah. opening his mouth yeah, but the that's... entire time like... exactly but that's delivery like that's not his that's no, not exactly. his like like exactly. his way of speaking that's just like yeah, yeah jeff bridges having like a mouthful of marbles like that's not you know exactly exactly but it's yeah it's kind of like it's sort of deliberately obtuse in a way that i think is yeah. kind of intentional in the in the text like i think it wants you to kind of yeah. like feel slightly on the back foot with them and like kind of not really understand because so much of it is about like they have these kind of very like nebulous motivations like they're clearly like wrongins but you're sort of like not really sure what the what kind of wrong yeah exactly yeah. yeah you're like are they like doing it for kind of like is there like a sort of a like a higher like is it like a gambling thing do they have to yeah, like yeah. you know do they owe debt or something like that which is normally the kind of yeah. the plot in these sort of things like you know are they part of like a, like a gang like what is the deal that you really don't like you're really given mm. very 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 little to work with with these guys in terms of like their actual motivations and it seems like eventually that it just kind of becomes like a sort of nihilist text really more than anything they're like well you know we're like we are you know considered low-class members of society and like all we want to do is xyz thing so like fuck you we're gonna do it and just like you know be little scamps essentially like walk Mm. around the street (laughs) and like cause trouble and rough people, people up yeah, yeah exactly it doesn't really seem to have any motivation beyond that other than this kind of like a lot of the stuff i've read sort of suggests that there's this kind of like relationship of one-upsmanship between the two of them and like i don't mm. really get that at least it doesn't come across seemed, in the yeah it seemed more like al's character was like egging him on like, yeah telling him what to do yeah rather than one-upsmanship but exactly yeah i'm just thinking about like with the the kind of dense dialogue and stuff, I was just thinking about Thief and like the fact that that also is like very much just like shop talk mm. and stuff. But like Michael Mann's like incredible skill is that it is still compelling. Like and you kind of know what's going on even though they're talking completely like mm-hmm. about things you don't understand. But I guess that's also like you've everyone's seen enough crime movies that like you can kind of. You start from a higher base of knowledge than I have, for yeah. example, about dog racing. <laughs> I guess so, but like I think additionally to that, the thing that works about Thief is that you're seeing it, right? Like you're that's true. Not only that's are you true, hearing yeah. them talk about it, you're like seeing them fuck about with drill bits and shit like that. Like it's yeah. it's very visual as well as it is like you know very verbose and like whereas this isn't mm. at all like you get no kind of yeah. you get like a single exposition kind of shot at the beginning of al at the racetrack looking great i must say yeah like he's got yeah. sort of roy scheider glasses like he sort of looks mm-hmm. very and the sideburns yeah he's really got sideburns he's got well. this like insane shirt on it's like it's like truly like a five second shot but he like looks yeah. great and then we never return <laughs> but that's sort of 
the only thing that kind of comes close to like being exposition really like is mm-hmm. like literally mm-hmm. and it's literally just a shot of him like at the racetrack it's like it gives you nothing else to work with other than the fact that it's like oh i guess this movie is about dog racing <laughs> in some way mm-hmm. shape or form yeah. but yeah if this thing had been more cinematic then like maybe you would have been able to kind of understand the de- like there is no real attempt to make this any more palatable for anyone who hasn't either read the play yeah. or isn't like doing what I was doing, which is literally like reading the play on my phone while the film plays out, which was helpful, but like isn't conducive to cinema, is it? Like it, mm-hmm. you know, you wonder what the- you're like hearing. You're like hearing them and reading at the same yeah, time. Exactly. Like, it's actually, it's like, not, yeah, exactly. It's not helpful, and it's not. Yeah, it makes this thing so uncinematic, and you do kind of wonder why go to the why go to the effort of shooting it like this at all if you're just gonna kind of essentially yeah. play it as a play like with play like structure and mm. visual form and then like it just it feels so kind of <laughs> I don't want to say pointless I don't think it's a completely pointless work but I think it's more interesting yeah. as like a work of filmmaking it's not interesting as a work of filmmaking but it is sort of interesting as a work of like adaptation i suppose yeah you know but even then i really don't know i really don't know i just don't know what to make of any of it it's it's just such a strange it's very strange i think when when he was like starting to talk like think about filming it what he wanted to do was just to film the play like Mm. being performed like you know as a as a play yeah and he said that like it just got out of hand and i'm like i don't know what that means like it just got out of hand that doesn't and they've got like the cinematographer who shot this like worked with todd haynes like he's like like, he shot carol like he's like a good cinematographer and i'm like you what have you why have you just hired this guy who and he also shot true stories which was like only just after this wow oh my god why why? (laughs) i mean i know you hired this guy to just like you know, I don't know. Frame. Like, it's this. truly yeah, nothing at all. Yeah. That's so like, bizarre. Like, I could have shot this movie. That's probably not true. But you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean. Like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not This movie not looks, it looks like a student film. Like, it's got no kind exactly, of yeah. sense of visual style or interest. And, like, it's so funny that those are the two movies you pull. Two movies which have very distinctive right, visual exactly. styles. And very unique visual styles as well. Like, they're not, yeah, like, two movies yeah. that I would say, if I knew off the top of my head, were shot similar. by the same yeah, person. Yeah. No, exactly. That's crazy. That's such a waste of talent. Oh my god. I know. I know. I don't know if this was like one of his first films or, or what, but like that's and they've got like a little bit of score going sometimes. I don't like the score really, no, but I'm like, the score that doesn't, doesn't seem track like there's any reason really to do either. that. Like, yeah. Yeah, they might as well have just used songs. Like it really doesn't feel like it exactly, it kind yeah. of benefits from having score in it. Nothing in it kind of benefits from everything. I know I said early on that I kind of like this movie, but I'm like, as a movie nothing about it works <laughs> nothing at it's all it's just works. not like yeah it's not working together yeah. like i don't know the performances are like i mean al's accent is so insane like if everyone was doing insane accents maybe that would be okay <laughs> but because his is so nuts and the other guy yeah. i can't remember his name paul, paul whatever is like doing like a normal yeah london accent yeah. like sounds pretty good like it slips a little bit occasionally like considering but considering he's an american it's good like yeah and then there's an actual british guy i believe playing david oh, and sure. i'm like why <laughs> none of this is like none of it's working together and none of it's like adding any depth to it like i just feel like it's so like disparate yeah. like all the 
different things that are supposed to be contributing to the whole are just kind of like doing one thing on their own. Totally. But yeah. I do think like that I would be interested in this movie if it was like deeper. Do you know what? Like just like there was more to like there mm. was. I don't know, I'm making hand gestures. I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but like there was like more to it. Like there was more like, weight to it. Yeah, or, like, yeah. I know what you I mean. Know. You so wish I mean, that yeah. there was like a central conflict, or that there was like an overarching thing, or if we got to know the guys mm-hmm. kind of more in the space that we do. Exactly, which is why exactly. I think it like fundamentally, I think as a pl- like, I think it's probably a good play. Like I've seen mm-hmm. that. I think the play's been staged like. I know that um, uh, Heathcote Williams died in, like, 2017, I want to say, mm-hmm. and they kind of did a lot of, like, anniversary revival of stuff with this play, which I think, like, initially it ran in Edinburgh, and then it ran in London, and then the kind of Pinter collection came along, and, like, the Pinter connection even kind of, like, got it over to the States, I think, is the kind of trajectory that it had. And I think that when I imagine this as, like, a play, like, if I picture, like, a stage and then, like, mm. chairs and, like, a backdrop... And then two, mm. like, really compelling stage actors, like, having it out. I'm like, yeah, this mm. could be, like, really engaging and really fun to watch. And, like, it's short, it's sweet, like, you really don't need... There's mm-hmm. no fat on it, like, as just, like, a little three-act sort of play, basically. Yeah. It, like, I can see it working really well. And But I think yeah. adding it to the, you know... You expect more from cinema, I think, in a way. Yeah, and like, exactly. That sounds yeah. kind of... That suggests that like there's something about theatre that like is inherently lesser to film, which I don't think is true. But I think that you yeah. kind of... The priorities are different when you're making a film, right? Like, you have to mm. consider all these aspects that come... Like, when you make a film, you don't just shoot a script. Like, you add other things. Like, it's not entirely... Yeah. There are so many movies that can be made or broken on the basis of a screenplay, but, like, there are also so many movies that have a perfectly functional script that is elevated by great filmmaking and great performance. Like, it's not... Yeah. It's not just, like, the script is the thing. And I think that's kind of the yeah. issue here, right? Is that it's just like, well, it's got a really great script. Like, this is a great play, but, like, nothing around yeah. it is helping elevate it to something that is watchable and more interesting. And, like, <laughs> any credit to, like, what is clearly a really interesting text that, like, done with the right actors in the right setting could be really fun. I think also, like, with a with a play... It's so much more immediate. Like, because mm. you're in the theatre with the actors, you're just sitting there and you're like, they're right in front of you and they're real people and there's no, like, remove from it because they're right there. Yeah. But, like, as soon as you put a camera in front of it and then you step yourself, like, your audience is stepped so much further back from it. You have to do more mm. with it. Like, you can't just be like, here, there, there they are. Like, <laughs> this is this is the, yeah. this is the play. Yeah, they are, yeah. Because, because you aren't, you, you don't just connect to stuff, like, automatically by seeing it mm-hmm. if it's on a screen. Mm. I think you need, like, something else, cinematic, whatever it is, like, to to bring you into it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There are those, like, I've, no, I've not seen any, but those, like, National Theatre, like, filmed versions of their plays. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those are... Yeah. I've, um, I've seen one of those. I saw the... It's actually a, probably a pretty good point of comparison because I saw Angels in America, the National Theatre production of Angels in America, and I saw the first half of the play uh, in the theatre and I saw the second half of the play as like an NC Live broadcast thing. Mm. Um, and I don't know whether having that initial like grounding in the world of the play, in the world of the physical play, like helped me kind of yeah. get on with the NT broadcast. But I suppose, I mean, they're not like... It's not like there's a lot of sort of um, 
visual storytelling, I guess, that goes on with the broadcast. Like, it basically mm. is just, like, cut to, you know, actor talking, cut to other actor, like, yeah. wide shot. Like, it's it's shot, you know, in the way in a way that makes perfect sense, you know, as in kind mm-hmm. of... It has a very natural kind of eye of the viewer, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you picture, mm-hmm. like, if yeah. you're sitting there watching a stage and you go from character a to character b to both characters it like follows that in a way that feels very natural Mm -hmm. to that and so i think that that is a really good example of like how to make that kind of thing interesting Mm -hmm. um and i'd be interested to know actually i've got no idea about this if like the director of the play has input in like how the um how the Mm, like broadcast is put together um because i know they do them live and then they rebroadcast them so i've yeah i've truly no idea like what the kind of logistics of that are but i think that's mm-hmm. like a that's like a thing that will make way more sense for something like this yeah you know yeah. like instead of shooting it on location and like trying to make an actual film of it to just shoot the play would probably be so much more productive because then you could focus on the performances then you could not worry about like all the baggage that comes with like making a film you know it has to be a film yeah. and this isn't a film this is like a just like filmed chunks of dialogue there is nothing cinematic yeah. about this and there's a I recently I watched a very interesting video essay by Patrick Williams about what is cinematic like what makes something cin- mm. like quote unquote cinematic and because you kind of think of it as like a visual like term you think about like deep focus and like uh, you know mm. interesting lighting setups and stuff like that but like there's a lot of kind of it's a very unique combination of things that is inherently you know related to cinema like it's a filmic Mm -hmm. term and yeah there's nothing about this that evokes that even though I think like even though Al's accent is atrocious it's not a bad performance (laughs) and the guy who the guy playing opposite him I think is pretty great Paul Guilfoy is his name And I think he's pretty great. Like, I think I thought he was somebody else for a long time. Like, watching, I was like, I'm sure I know who this guy is. But he's just like, yeah, he's like a working actor. He was on CSI for like 15 years, which is crazy. Love that. He's making bites. He really is. He's got those CSI, he's got CSI dollars. Like, he's going to be absolutely fine. And he was in this like weird little movie with Al Pacino. And like, who can say that, you know? Great. So um I would love yeah. to have seen it with Katali though, like the version oh, that yeah. like hearing that he did it with Katali, I was just like, oh, oh like oh, I know. what could have been oh, Yeah, that's like really sad to hear. I think yeah. that was sort of the second run of this play, right? Like he did it yeah. initially in the in the kind of early sixties and then the seventies he did it with Katali. Yeah. Which would have been great. I think I see, I totally see him in that role, in the Ray role. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Graham is played by Pacino and Ray is the other guy. Um, And yeah, he's Mm. sort of, like, he says a lot less. He's like a lot more kind of restrained, even though he's like the source of most of the violence in the movie, the actual violence. But you'd get so much, like, I mean, it's the the afternoon dynamic, basically, but you get so much from Katali just from him, like, looking at stuff and, like, I I bet just the best. He is the best. Katali corner. (laughs) Katali, oh, it's been a minute since we've had a Katali corner, so it's nice to, nice to talk about him again. I want, I like, I bet he was a really wonderful stage actor. <laughs> I know that's like, um, yeah, because no, I don't know how I, I don't know how I feel about Al on stage, like the concept of Al on stage, because he's so much an yeah. actor that like meshes with directors. I think is what we've sort of learned mm. is that he has to be like not told what to do. That sounds sort of. <laughs> I mean, yeah, reined in is also another way of saying that. But like, I think he works best in a in an environment where he's like 
being kind of part of a film ecosystem, mm, right? Where he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's being used appropriately. Yeah, exactly. To, to, to make the project better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Rather than, yeah. Yeah. I do. I mean, he won, a, he won a couple of Tonys and one of them was like very early on in his career. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if maybe like, I think they were, were they both very early? I'm not sure. Anyway, but like, I think maybe earlier on he was better at theatre because... Mm-hmm you're just naturally less sure of yourself early on in your career and I imagine he like took direction a little bit better then mm. but I don't know I don't know I haven't seen I haven't really read reviews of anything that he's done like more recently like he did like was it Indian what's the no Pablo Hummel he did like oh, sure. early 2019 okay. did it again after doing it in like the 60s sure. like the same character which he seems to do a lot and I'm like do you know that you're like 80 <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the, uh, yeah, and I, yeah the character just a side note to say that the character he's playing in this is meant to be in his mid 20s so <laughs> and he is uh, 45 45 <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. yeah uh huh sure Al sure <laughs> but yeah no I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how he is now. Mm. I haven't heard like particularly bad things, but mm. I also have. But then I don't know. I don't really hear much about the theatre. I guess yeah. so. I maybe yeah. wouldn't know. But... Just maybe think about Yentl yeah. again. Just think about Yentl because, <laughs> like, it's like you don't know how old Yentl, the titular Yentl, is like meant to be. Because like she's hanging out with her dad and she's like not married. And I'm like Barbara, you're like pushing forty. Like I know, I know. And like she's great. She's so. She said, Yentl's so good. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. So it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, She's powerfully horny movie. We love to see it. It's so good. <laughs> it truly is just like one of the Letterboxd reviews I was scrolling through was like, imagine making the decision to like disguise yourself as a boy and dedicate yourself to to your studies and the first man you see looks like that. <laughs> like we, you just like you'd be like, well, I guess I'll die. Like this has to be. <laughs> you are confronted with Maddie Potemkin, like looking like that, like just glistening, beautiful boy, and you're like, well, <laughs> this is it for me, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, similarly, Barbara also is just like casting herself as whoever the fuck she likes. Yeah, no, exactly. Which is the you know. The point I was trying to make. I wasn't just trying to get us to talk about. I mean, I guess that's like they do that with Shakespeare quite a lot, right? Oh yeah, they just kind of cast anybody, someone in, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's like you know, the good thing about Shakespeare is that it can be interpreted so many ways and has been interpreted so many ways. It's such a like you can bring kind of literally whatever you like to a Shakespeare text and have it be you know an interesting interpretation of it, especially Mm. kind of and like I can't remember what. I think it was a a piece with talking about Williams and talking about his work and saying that he owes a lot to like Jacobean sort of playwright structure, which oh, is like yeah, Al was <laughs> Oh, okay, is that an Al thing? Yeah. He's yeah. Mm. Essentially he's talking about the fact that like he feels like he as an artist owes a lot to like Yeah, Jacobean kind of play structure and tragedy and stuff like that. Which like What is that? What's Jacobean? <laughs> so Jack hang on, let <laughs> me like God, okay. So it's been, like, a long time (laughs) since I've, like, done any, like, deep play theory. So Jacobean drama is, like, uh, you know, basically, like, uh, it's sort of the period of drama where, like, you know, Shakespeare's doing a lot of work in that period, as well as, like, uh, Ben Jonson and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of, like... The kind of, like, classic plays that people put on have kind of Mm -hmm. emerged in this period, I think, because of, like, the fact that 
basically the fact that like that was kind of the era where public theater going became a real thing like that's sort of when it sort of um became like webster is another guy like uh, it sort of became like a real public art form in a way that it kind of previously hadn't Mm. been like obviously a lot of plays in that period were written for the royal family and like the royal court and stuff like that but like Mm. they were also kind of transitioning into being i might be completely off on this but i think this is what i'm trying (laughs) to get at is that like it, it sort of became like a melding of kind of high art sensibility and like thematic approach as well as like populist kind of pulpiness you know and um i guess that makes a lot of sense when you consider that like uh williams is sort of a a writer with like a lot of political conscience and like a lot of Mm -hmm. commentary on class and on like it's he's like a very leftist kind of playwright it seems and you know i haven't like i read like a couple of his poems when i was doing research for this and they seem like to kind of refer to like Shelley and like it's you know he's like he comes from a like a history of like you know radical English like playwriting and I guess that's sort of like that's kind of one of the things from that period where it felt like plays that were kind of equally as subversive as they were entertaining were kind of becoming more of a more commonplace in the theatre I suppose because like because not only are you playing to the queen you're like playing to the people and so like you have to kind Mm -hmm. of be like well I can like wrap this up like wrap my point about like inequality or like not trusting the monarchy in this play about like the monarchy mm-hmm. essentially you know mm-hmm. and like i'm thinking about like i'm thinking about midsummer night's dream just because that's the shakespeare play that i know the best mm-hmm. but like the fact that the many of the lead characters in that are just like guys like they're just like <laughs> normal guys who are putting yeah. on a play like who get yeah. turned into yeah. like weird creatures yeah. but like the fact that it's not just about like kings and queens or whatever mm-hmm. or like you know yeah. the fact that it is about like broadly ordinary people yeah i guess is maybe a radical thing at that time yeah i don't know like, the thing the thing i love about midsummer night's dream is that a lot of shakespeare is very thematic and midsummer night's dream is kind of just like what if there was a weird guy like wouldn't it be fucked up if that <laughs> happened like it's like what if we all got really high like you know who who, who, you know, who knows what then <laughs> what then <laughs> It's like, yeah, one of the less thematic... I really like that play, but it's one of the less, like, thematically yeah. dense Shakespeare plays. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said it wish in the, I wish the um, owl had, like... I wish the owl was really into, like, a different... Sh- like, he's into the histories, which is really, good. like, not yeah. my jam. Like, I love a, I love a comedy. I wish he was, like, really into, like... Yeah. Like, like, all's well that ends well or something. Like, just, like, <laughs> something really, like, niche. Yeah, like I, he like, loves yeah, Taming of the Shrew so or whatever. Like, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That would be great. That would be great. He should uh, be considered. If he wasn't just interested in like the great roles, which just seems to be like his Yeah. Play. Has he ever played Hamlet? Do you know if he's ever played Hamlet? Oh, I'm sure he has. I don't know though. I'm not sure. Um That'd be fun. I feel like he must have done at least in like in Way back when, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 That's fascinating. Um, but yeah, that's like my basis for for this is that like it's very it seems like tied to sort of class in the way that so many texts of that era are and like mm. talking about like dynamics between the upper classes and the lower classes, which I guess is sort of a theme like, I mean, I guess that's such a theme, not necessarily inherent to theatre, but because of the way that like theatre was performed for so long, especially like in England, you know, being something that is both like for the royal court 
and for the people and like having to bridge that mm. divide in terms of like speaking mm-hmm. to the speaking to the working classes and speaking to the upper classes um mm-hmm. i guess that sort of you know makes sense i feel like we've gone off on a real tangent now i've just been like talking about yeah. like although i do jacobean play structure i think in that interview with gordon al was although maybe maybe she said like that the characters in this movie are so much more like erudite is that the right word mm-hmm. yeah yeah is that what it was? Yeah. yeah yeah um then like the lower the lower classes would be like lower class characters are in like american oh yeah um, yeah 100%. media yeah which is interesting i hadn't thought about that yeah that was a good point i really enjoyed like her kind of in- she like also talks about fassbinder in that piece which i thought was a really mm-hmm. incisive comparison like, like how they kind of yeah yeah and like this kind of weird like male dynamic you know i haven't seen a lot of fassbender movies but i i kind of like i get i'm picking up what she's putting down basically i'm like yeah i see what you mean i see what you mean like that was you know the other the other stuff that this made me think of was like martin mcdonough basically that that was my big yeah. point of comparison for this which i think yeah. is that's like the good version of it. I'm like, <laughs> basically oh, yeah but I, I love the irish version of this like oh god there's this short film that's called breakfast wine it's not mcdonough but it's got uh oh god who's in it i think the guy from black books is in it anyway okay, um cool. and it's just like these guys like in a pub like getting drunk as soon as the pub opens they're like <laughs> i need a drink and then they're just like sitting there like being dicks to everyone for like 20 minutes and then the film ends and it's it's pretty right. i mean it's okay that's it's not right. like you know that compelling but anyway <laughs> that that's that kind of stuff that I got into, like yeah. when I got into the into Don't Look Gleason and all of that, like <laughs> the, the, Gleason, the Gleason clan, yeah, the Gleason, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, that kind of Irish, like black humor, like mm. yeah, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I'm like, I've never seen. I think I've read one of his plays. I can't tell you which mm-hmm. off the top of my head, but I've, I've like got one of them. I've got the Pillow Man, but I haven't. Oh read sure, it. yeah, yeah. Um, I like it's assigned in like first year English in University of Berkeley, yeah, yeah. That makes like, sense. Every bookshop yeah. had a copy of it, so I just <laughs> ended up buying one. Um, but yeah, yeah. He's like he's kind of the guy that like looms largest over this for me. I think like I thought about in Bruce so much when we were watching this, and just like mm-hmm. how well that movie does like two like real scummy scumbum guys like being Mm -hmm. dicks and like kind of yeah but like being so compelling and being so interesting and like feeling very like of a place and sort of like it's so clear that this movie or this text I think sort of wants to like situate you in like the world of the London they inhabit and it kind of like Mm. the play may do that but like the movie doesn't kind of make any attempt to mm-hmm. do that and you know i think i just yeah. i just realized that it's interesting that uh none of uh mcdonough's movies are set in ireland he's never made a movie set in ireland other than the short right six shooter yeah uh six shooter yeah, even that's on a train right like a train. <laughs> yeah yeah it is on a train i would i always think like i always like merge him with his brother in my head because like his brother he did calvary and and the guard also also with um Brendan Gleeson and I really like both of those movies mm-hmm. and those are very Irish movies especially Calvary yeah. is like very like tied to the place that it's set in mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. yeah no because like in Bruges is obviously two Irish guys but it's in Bruges, in Bruges. and then 
And then, yeah, yeah you've got... Seven Psychopaths. And yeah, the like rest, American. it's all his, like, big American movies now, which is crazy. Yeah, but I think I think a lot of his plays, because I'm thinking about, like, not to go on a Donald Gleeson tangent, but, like, his first break was in a Martin McDonough play, yeah. and it was the Lieutenant of Inishmore. Oh, yeah, sure yeah. Saturn Island. Yeah, like, it, um, I was actually looking at Martin McDonough's Wikipedia page before we started doing this, and his, like, mm. his first kind of batch of plays are, like, trilogies set in different parts of Ireland. Like, they're all based mm-hmm. around, like clusters in the same parts of Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, he's like yeah, he's uh, in a, as a playwright, he's thoroughly Irish as a filmmaker not so much, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But mm-hmm. I think the next thing he's making is like an adaptation of one of his plays. Like I think that's the next thing uh, he's doing. Oh yeah. Oh, God, with Colin, right? Banshees of something. Banshees of something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah with Colin and Brendan. I think Col- oh, well, his so. I still have Martin McDonald's Wikipedia page open, <laughs> so I can tell you exactly. Is he still dating um, He is. Yeah, he is Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Phoebe which is great, yeah. I think. Good for them. <laughs> it's a pair that I really enjoy. Yeah, as of 2018. So, uh, yeah, it's called. Yeah, the the Banshees of Inarishan in Inisherin. Inisherin. The Banshees of Inisherin. No idea if I'm saying that Sorry. right. But yeah, it's Brendan Gleeson, Colin. <laughs> oh, Barry's in it. Barry Keegan's in oh, it. Oh, hell yeah. My friend Barry. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love him. <sighs> we got really off track there. Um, we really did. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything else to say. No. Uh, I'm just thinking about Barry showing up. He's so good in the Green Knight. Like his little like scene oh, in the Green Knight. Oh my god, you haven't seen it yet. Fuck. I was like I was expecting to bond with you over how good he is in his like single two scenes in the Green Knight and you haven't seen it. I yet. saw No Time to Die instead. <laughs> oh, which is best for men cinema. We have to talk about No Time to Die. Oh my god. Because, best because... for men. <laughs> Friend of the pod, Billy Magnuson, wears a vest for men for like at least five minutes and like is really good in the movie. Like, That's really great. great. Like, That's great. So it's as I've said to you before, big year for Billy. Billy's like bringing it yeah. home. Billy's like all over yeah. the place. He's in, he's in Bond. He's in the Sopranos movie. He's like great <laughs> in the Sopranos movie. He's like, I think his direction, like, it's so funny because like, that movie has some really great performances in it, but it really does seem like somebody just sat him down and was like, okay, so Paulie, just play it gay. Like, just do gay. Like, that's <laughs> the only, like, note that we have for you. Excellent. And, like, I have to see this he's got, like, a great little, like, at some point he wears this really great little, like, suit outfit, and they, like, go and do oh, something really yeah. violent, and he gets, like, blood all over his nice little jacket, and I was quite sad about that. <laughs> he's fucking good in it, man. Like, he's really funny. Yeah. He's really yeah, funny. weird movie. He's, funny in Bond he's so funny. He's so funny in Game Night. He's so funny, <laughs> Billy. It's just like a really great, like kind of goofy yeah, face, like does. despite being like yeah. an extremely handsome man. Like I'm just like great, but great. like he's he's um, handsome to the point of ridiculousness. Like that's what I think is so yeah. great about him is that he like yeah. he's like obviously a handsome guy, but he's like leaning into the fact that that's really stupid. Like he's like, isn't yeah, it dumb yeah. that I look like this? <laughs> Anyway, oh, Bill, Billy Billy Magnuson Corner. <laughs> great. No Time to Die is saving British cinema. Uh, it is. That's, well, great. that's great. Um, well, look, I don't care. <laughs> if it keeps me employed, then like it can do what it likes. Like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Exactly. Good, good for you, Bond. <sighs> yeah, um, thanks, James. Daniel Craig valid. We do stand. Daniel Craig valid. Daniel Craig in tiny shorts, extra valid. <laughs> um, even if it's only for a couple minutes, it was very pleasing to <laughs> that's me. Great. 
<laughs> I did see a tweet that was like, it looks like he's just wearing like clothing belonging to a child. <laughs> like, oh, it does. It 100 percent does. Like it stops being horny and just starts being strange, which is very funny. <laughs> I think that the t-shirt is really the problem. Like it's like. <laughs> way too small like not even like a tight t-shirt it's just like doesn't fit at all and then he's just wearing like tiny shorts as well that's great um this is great this has been blonde blonde man corner (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly anyone else gonna throw another blonde guy out before we um before we like oh i have a john voight note oh great oh yeah because john voight like produced this movie which is really funny how do you find it he did and 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 he he saw the play when Al did it in 1969, um, and they like were about to close like after the first night because it did not go well. Mm-hmm. And then John Voight gave them enough money to keep playing it for a week. So John Voight like oh, tied to this. That's great. To this play and Good Al for John Voight. Kind of cute. Good for John Voight. That's John great. Voight, bad guy, yeah. but um, <laughs> yeah, not great. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John John Voight, not great. I just realised in my mind I was merging him with Val Kilmer, which would have made no sense. Oh, Val Kilmer, Val great. Kilmer, great. John Voight, like, bad. Look, I mean, they're both in heat. Yeah, that, that's probably why I was just like merging my my non yeah. like <laughs> my non Pacino De Niro heat cast members. Heat guys, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Understandable. Tom Sizemore also not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is in heat? Who should we anyway. run through? Danny Trejo is great. Yeah, Danny Trejo, good guy. He probably has murdered someone, but like he he fine. probably had his reasons. Like I believe that if he, yeah. they had it coming, whoever they were, you know. Great heat corner. Great heat. Anything else we could talk about? You want to talk about Al Pacino's loft? Because I do. Oh, oh! I completely <laughs> forgot about it. We have to. Yeah, okay. So. Lara was looking for like the text of this play, and you found it on this website. And you sent—I don't know if you realized when you sent it. To me, I like, didn't. I literally didn't was, at so, all. Yeah. And and I like looked at it, and I was like, "Why does this website have like photos of Al Pacino as its like background?" And then I like looked at it, and it's this fan site. It is. Um, it is. So I'll, we'll link it in the show notes, but because yeah. it's important that you see it. It's, so it's this great. fan site for Pacino, and like it's. It's great. Amazing. It was, and the last time it was updated yeah. was uh, the 24th of June, 2005. Yep. And it's um, it was built and, in 1997. Like, that's... Yeah, it's... great. Year of my birth. Good, good year. Good year for websites. Good you year and, for people being born. You and Al Pacino are um, the same age. You might have been born on the same day. No, it was actually launched in September 1997, so it was a month off. But Oh, I'm... Yeah, so I'm a little bit, little older, bit older than, than it. Oh. I mean, that's because I set it up myself, (laughs) As a tiny baby, you were like, this is what I have to do. I'm like a savant, and I'm like, great, time to to set up a website. And pay for it, presumably, like, for infinity time, because it's still up. It's still up. Like, it's got to still be up. And the last post is about his dad dying, and I'm like, okay. (laughs) They have an Um, email address. Should we send them an email? I think we should send them an email. I think we should send them an email and just be like, we stumbled across this website, and it's wonderful. Thank you so much. And it's great, thank you. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's yeah. like a GeoCities page. Anyway, yeah, it's called Al Pacino's Loft. It's like worryingly in depth. They have a quiz. You can like Maddie pass the quiz. So I really passed. You the didn't quiz, even tell like, me like what ranking you got. Did you get the like the crazy one? They were like, you're insane. No, I, think I got one below that. Oh. I think because I got a few wrong. Um, <laughs> 
unfortunately. Uh, yeah, they have <laughs> or fortunately a very like a very thorough owl quiz. I should do the quiz to be honest, because like I want to see what I've, should, I've there's learned. There's quite a lot of stuff that I like have mentioned on the podcast because it's in that. Like they they recommend the book that I've been yeah, reading for like know. the podcast. Life on the Wire. It's become like a yeah, which a is meme. like not a good book. <laughs> like it's not good. Like all he does in it is like steal quotes from interviews with other people and doesn't credit where the interviews were. <laughs> And like, and then otherwise just like wild conjecture about things that haven't been confirmed. <laughs> like, um, but there's also there's also fan pages. Oh, there oh, there's is. merchandise. Wait, is I'm there merchandise? The merchandise right now. What? I didn't see the merchandise. Oh books, soundtracks, DVDs, books oh, about Al. Books about Al. Actors on Shakespeare. Oh, that sounds fun. Al Pacino: Life on a Wire. Al Pacino: A French bu- Biography. Okay. Anyway, that's great. Outside of the book, there is no a fan page <laughs> which has precisely three <laughs> things on it. And now I've lost. No, no, it's got a bunch of things on it. But the, in terms of like, uh, it's got like people's <laughs> stories of like when they like met him. Um, and then it's also got what? I, this sounds great. <laughs> some other poems, please. <laughs> And I would like to do a dramatic reading of Ode to Pacino by Michelle. I don't know if I can make it through this. I'm like looking at I it. Was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to do a dramatic reading. And then I got like a line into the poem. So I physically, it's like, it's, I'm, I can't do this. I'm, I'm doing oh, it. I've decided you. it's going to happen. Before you do, can I also say that if you are interested, you're more than welcome to pick up a copy of Memoirs of a Pet Therapist by Warren Eckstein and Denise Madden, which includes a short account of training Al's dogs with him. <laughs> so. Honestly? Just want to know. I would like to read yeah, it. Yeah, I would like to read it too. Like, sounds great. Sounds great. That sounds good. I love the fact that he has dogs. We like didn't spend enough time talking about that on the last uh... episode where Diane was talking about his dogs. I, I love that. Love a dog person. Yeah. A dog well, man. He, clearly a good dog owner because he's like he's being he's, he took his dogs to he's therapy. Yeah. He's a dog therapist. He wants Great. to know about his dogs in a life. <sighs> but yeah. Anyway, please by by all means go right ahead and read read okay. Michelle's magnum opus for us. Okay, I'm gonna try really hard not to lose my mind. I'm gonna mute goodness, myself gonna be just because I know I'm just gonna <laughs> laugh through the whole thing. <laughs> Okay. Ode to Pacino by Michelle. <laughs> amore, amore, my little Pacino. Tony, Ricky. <laughs> I can see you laughing silently and it's still okay, not- Hang on, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I won't distract you. Great, anymore. she's just gone completely. <laughs> amore, amore, my little Pacino. Tony, Ricky, Bobby, Carlito. My l- <laughs> my loins quicken with each performance. <laughs> Out of reach, you keep me in torment. Amore, amore, my little Pacino. Huey, Tom Dobb, you hottie Latino. Which, mm, two new movies you promised this year. Oh, just to hold you close to me, dear. Amore, amore, my little Pacino. Captain Frank, lefty, oh, Carlito. She's used Carlito twice. (laughs) Making my pulse do somersaults. Even the Academy has its faults. Amore, amore, my little Pacino. If I could place a bet at any casino, I'd blow on the dice, rolling them rough, just to hold you close to me in the buff. (laughs) (laughs) Amore, amore, my little Pacino. Vince, Hannah, Tony, Bobby, Carlito. I've been accused of obsessing with your hair. I'd give a million dollars to touch you there. 
Mine's out of the gutter. Naughties, beware. I was talking about fingers running through hair. Fingers running through hair? Fingers running through hair. I don't know what the emphasis is on that. Amore, amore, my little Pacino. Tony, Ricky, Bobby, Carlito. This little rhyme could run to infinity, but we must end with sweet simplicity. It's been a great honour to share adoration of Al. Yes, Al, there's no contemplation. My e-groups list... My e-groups? My e-groups list cronies. Don't you agree, my little Pacino? My heart beats for thee. Amore, amore, my little Pacino. Tony, Bobby, oh, Carlito. They say she's mad, a little insane. She's always got Al on the brain. Amore, amore, my little Pacino. Then she thought, what do they know? Al could be lurking, reading in laughter. Then he'll decide he'll have to have her. Screw you, Beverly and Penelope Ann. It's time for me to take a stand. Amore, amore, my little Pacino. Won't you marry me, you hottie Latino? I mean, come on, Michelle. What? I mean, like, Nobel Prize. Like, truly. I, Incredible. I can't decide I what my favourite part of it is. I'm not to laugh. I really can't decide oh my what my favourite part of it is because I really love the, um, <laughs> I love how consistently she refers to him as Latino. <laughs> like, no, that's not, cl- no, Michelle, no. Fully not the case. Like, fully you're such a case. big fan and you're like, he's Latino. And it's like, no. No. <laughs> he just tricked <laughs> you by, like, pretending to be too many times. Like, what? <laughs> I also yeah I love it like you could have said Italiano that would be no, fine. It would be it's fine. not the right like number of syllables, but like, no, it would have been. Yeah, you could have made it work. Although I do like uh, I really like the rhyme of Pacino and Casino. I think that's pretty good. It's mm. good. That's like they cap. She capitalizes Casino <laughs> like she's referring to the movie, and I'm like, honey, that's not Pacino. Oh my god. Also, like when I'm so happy. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> I really hope somehow we manage to get in touch with the owner of uh, Al Pacino's loft because this website has brought us such joy. It's so good. It's so good. And there's like genuinely like it's like, very useful. Yeah, interesting stuff on there. Like they've got all his like playbills and stuff yeah. from like the plays he did, Aww. and like it's yeah, it's pretty extensive. It's a great so, like, resource. I'm like very happy until, to have it until we hit. Until we hit 2006, this is going to be my new like my new touchstone because I've I've pretty much got to the end of Life on a Wire and the Aww. other ones. So like, so yeah, we got some more like you got some more thorough like. It's so great. It makes me really happy. I'm just so glad it exists. <sighs> it's just I love that there's also like maybe ten people contributing <laughs> to this website, and then like the the girl who runs it. I assume it's a girl. I don't actually know. I would presume um, so. Yeah. And and that's it. Yeah, like, that's it. And I'm like, great. It would have would have been me. And like <laughs> in like the if I was born what ten or fifteen years earlier, then I would have like. I really love. I really love the like list of like interactions people have had with him. I know. It's really good. It's so good. Oh, it's great. Oh, look at them all. Oh, Lincoln they're all so happy. I got some pics. That's great. Oh, good for you, Joan. Joan, like, you know, it's living on. That's great. <laughs> this is great. I'm like... It is great. I just, like, I could just spend years, like, reading through this. It's just so charming. I love it. I got I got really distracted earlier, like, instead of actually researching this movie, I just read, like, a huge chunk of this website. And, like, 
<laughs> it's great. Like it's all gold. You ha- listeners, you you must. You, you must. really must. Like cannot recommend enough. I kind of want to do my own. John has a really good picture. Oh yeah, John. That's John. Oh, yeah, he does have a good picture. There he is. He's looking like... It's a great picture of Al. I really want to, like... I I feel like we should... I want to read these out because they're so good. All the stories are so good. (laughs) They're all so good. This guy had a bit part in The Insider. Like, that's great. Isn't that great? He also refers to Mike... Maybe... (laughs) He refers to Michael Mann as Mr. Mann throughout, which is great. Which is incredible. Great. I think I think every time we cover a movie, <laughs> we should pick a- going forward, we should pick one of these that was like during that movie. I agree. I agree. I completely agree. I completely agree. I wish there was a. There doesn't seem to be a. Um, there doesn't seem to be a, a relevant. None of these have like dates. So when was this? Nineteen nine. This was nineteen ninety, right? Yeah. I think the, a bit later. Yeah, this is like ninety six onwards. This one from early ninety. Oh, there, yeah, there's one from nineteen ninety from Kristen. Would you like me to read it? Seeing as you did yeah, our last dramatic it. reading, so yeah. <laughs> Kristen Savastano met him in New 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 York City, which I don't know if that's an intentional typo, but it's funny. New, uh, in yeah, in New York City Airport, nineteen ninety. Well, it was at Kennedy Airport. My family and I were just arriving in NYC back in nineteen ninety. I knew who Al was because my dad was a fan. Also, he turned me onto The Godfather. Ever since I saw Al right. in that, I was floored. I fell for him bad. Anyway, I was determined to meet celebs in New York City. So when I heard my mom say, oh my god, I think that's Al Pacino, I stopped and looked up. It was him. He was on his way to board a plane. He had security and bodyguards all around him, but I was determined. I bravely approached him and said, Mr. Pacino, can I have your autograph? He smiled at me and said, sure. He autographed a teen magazine that I have with me. Oh, they were a teen. That's so cute. cute. He He asked my name and signed away. He put to Kristen, best wishes. Then he leaned over and gave me a kiss on the cheek. Oh, Al! Oh, so stinker! Don't kiss teens. <laughs> Come on. Um, he winked. At, he winked at me and said, "Take care," and left to board his plane. I thought I was going to faint right there in the airport. Other girls were trying to catch up with him. He smiled and waved, signed a few more autographs, and left. He's really gracious and kind, like people say. I will never forget that peck Aww. on the cheek. That is something I will remember for the rest of my life. I did write him a while ago, and this time he sent me a nice autographed photo, saying pretty much the same thing on that teen magazine, <laughs> which I have framed. He just says the same yeah, thing to everyone. He's like got yeah, it on best, yeah. best wishes, Al Pacino. <laughs> That's a, yeah. every time I look at that, I can remember my New York trip, my trip to New York City, and the kiss at the airport. Well, that's my encounter with Al. Ciao, Kristen. Oh, that's really that's great. <laughs> I love that. Ah, Great. When will, when will this happen to me? <laughs> when will you get a kiss on when the cheek at an airport? When will I submit a story to... to <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh there's one from 1968. Wow, God. I'm going to read yeah, it. Yeah, please. Okay. Ted Crawley, Provincetown, the play Rats. Great. Rats? 1968. It's rats. about rats? Um, it's about rats. <laughs> it wasn't that what Ratatouille was called. It was like rats exclamation mark. Oh yeah, rats. I figured out what to call it. Of course. Yeah, rats. Great. Anyway, <laughs> August of 1968, I was a college senior and worked a month at a tiny playhouse in Provincetown, miscellaneous work for room and board. They brought up a different actor from New York each week for a different off-Broadway play. And one week, Al Pacino came up to do a one-man play, Rats. <laughs> this is before he made any movie. The Godfather made him a superstar thanks. I really appreciate- he stayed on the second week because that week's actor was Jill Clayburgh, who was his live-in girlfriend at the time. Uh. 
Al had a tough New York accent and style and often seemed moody, didn't smile except at jokes, but he was friendly and open, happy to talk at length with me or any of the others. Good sense of humour. He was very focused on acting. I would sit and listen to him talk about the play and what he was doing with it, the process he went through, what he thought about on stage. Not talking about his acting career, just the art itself. I was an engineering student, but had been in some plays, so that was great. And watching, as a waiter, him do the same play four nights was intriguing. Ah, great. That is interesting. I really appreciate that you put the, like, exclamation point on rats, even though there is no exclamation point on rats. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, do a one-man play. A little, rats! Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's probably just, like, rats. It's just it's rats. Just, like, about, like, I think it's just rats. rats. Like, yeah. 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 I, love it. Um, I love a Jill Clayberg mention. Queen Jill Clayberg. God bless, we do stand. I want to, they have a page about the girlfriends, like they have like a girlfriends, oh yeah, they have like, it's at the bottom of the, um, the like FAQs page, and it's called Gal Gal Pals. Oh, we've got to do an episode. On the Gal Pals? Yeah, I think we do. I think we do. That would be fun. But that was great. I mean, we've had a wonderful time exploring the, like, the wider world of the, and this is, and I think it's an appropriate weirdly inappropriate episode to talk about it because this is such a like this is such fan content right like the reason we were able to find out half the things we were able to find out about this movie is because like fans have been trying to get it released since the like early 90s which is yeah great you know that's really great and i think that's like a that's a real testament to like the fan community as sort of archive like not to get on my like mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my francis shit basically but like <laughs> you know it's like important to sort of you know it's important to have these things because like eventually is, yeah. they're gonna like disappear one day so long live Al Pacino's loft yeah i i will i will offer to pay, you know. um, <laughs> can we I buy might, it i think we should buy it I might, yeah, I'm kind of like working through and like saving a bunch of the photos and stuff from <laughs> it because like yeah, yeah. I need them for the Instagram if I ever start using the Instagram <laughs> again. Um, so yeah, great. I think, yeah, I think we should start archiving the archive. Yeah, maybe. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think that's a a very sound move. But yeah, mm-hmm. any any final thoughts on the local stigmatic, which is a mixed bag of a mm. play, but a very interesting one, an interesting mixed bag, like a. Like one of those weird kind of like sweet bags you get at Halloween. They've just got like <laughs> lots of things in, and you're like, oh, some of them are a bit weird, but like, you know, there's some good stuff yeah. in there. I think it's really it's an interesting object, mm. definitely. Yeah. If it isn't, even though it isn't really that interesting to me, like as a film. Mm. Um, yeah, agreed. And Heathcote Williams sounds like a real cool. He guy. does sound like a cool guy. So, yeah. And I'm glad to be introduced to him. Me too. Me too, for sure. I think so the only other notes I have that I haven't mentioned um, is some more interesting stuff from that interview with Bert Gordon, which is like he talks about mm. a little bit about working with like Coppola and like talking about he talks about George Lucas, which is funny. Gives gives George <laughs> a name drop. I don't think he like great. talks about him in any depth, but like George Lucas is mentioned, that's so that's great. Love to. He's heard of George. He's heard Lucas, of George Lucas. Too. He knows who George <laughs> Lucas is, which is great. Um. That's kind of it, really. Oh, apparently he mm. almost he almost released it or tried to get it released when Pulp Fiction came out because it was 
AM because it was also a movie about two nihilists, which is a really strange way to describe Pulp Fiction. Like, I don't think that's what I. I was like watching Pulp Fiction. He's like, mm, this is just like the local stigmatic. Uh, is it? Oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't uh, know. like inter- interlocking stories, like yeah. many lead characters. Like, I don't think that that's part. Of this yeah, really. No, no, I don't think so. And um, that's yeah, that's the only other thing I wanted to mention. The only other thing I wanted to mention was another Heathcote Williams note, which is that he is in... Uh, I went on a real spiral about um, him being in the Derek Jarman The Tempest, which is like a very right. cool thing to him, for him to have been in. Um, I haven't seen yeah. it, but I'm like, it's on, BBC, it's on BFI iPlayer. So I'm gonna like watch that at some point. Sounds pretty rad. But like, I thought that was funny just because we spoke about Jarman in our revolution conversation because he was like, you know, fuck like this kind of singular like boring british filmmaking like you know this is not the kind of thing that we should be you know making (laughs) like fuck like all this kind of like period nonsense i hate it like it should be interesting like creative people like uh like Heath williams he seems like you know like a cool guy with a genuinely interesting take on you know like british identity and like culture and stuff like that so yeah, I think, I think you should read the paragraph from his Wikipedia page. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, great. Nice. Well, let's la- let that be. Let that be the end note. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for listening, guys. You can find us in all the usual places on Twitter at Al Pacino, uh, same on Instagram. Just like I don't know, we're not really there very often. You have to engage with it, but you know, <laughs> like. Just dabble, you know, come say hi, come meet us at Al Pacino's yeah, Loft, yeah. it'll be fun. Like, we'll yeah, exactly. send us your anecdotes. <laughs> um, and yeah, to sign us off, I will read uh, a paragraph from Heathcote Williams's Wikipedia page when I can find it. Here we go. Williams was a keen naturalist and developed a new species of honey-producing wasps in the Argentine pampas, an event he recorded in a book called Forbidden Fruit. Williams was a magician and a member of the Magic Circle. He wrote a TV play called What the Dickens about Charles Dickens' penchant, penchant, pen, penchant, penchant, oh, I don't know. Penchant. Penchant. I don't know. Penchant. Whippet. Charles Dickens' penchant for performing magic shows. Bob Hoskins taught him fire eating. <laughs> when he went when he went to dist- demonstrate his newfound talent to then-girlfriend Jean Shrimpton, also cool, he accidentally set himself alight on his doorstep. There you go. Perfect. That's great. What a guy. I'm so glad I know who he is now. <laughs> Me too. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's all. That's it. Thanks for listening, right. guys. See you next week. Oh, we're talking Dick Tracy next week. We are. Yay! <laughs> yes! yes! <laughs> it's going to be so fun. I'm so excited. Talking about Beatty. It's going to be good. We're gonna... Talking about Beatty, baby. <laughs> <laughs>